You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this. You'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, when it's your birthday and someone gives you a cake, they put some candles on it, light them, and then you blow them out. But how did this strange tradition start? And you're telling me how much bacteria gets blown on that cake? Online dating apps are big business. And if one doesn't work for you, there are tons of others to try that might bring about better results. They're all different, right? Well, about that. If you're good during the year, Santa Claus brings you presents. But if you're on the naughty list, you get coal. But why coal? We'll trace the origins of Santa's gift for the misbehaved. All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's So, Dave, we have passed your birthday for this year, but I know that you are kind of a birthday guy. You know, if your birthday is on a Saturday, like you're telling everybody about it on Monday, Guilty you know, you're kind of birthday week, sort of birthday month kind of guy. So has that always been the case? I mean, what has been your birthday experience growing up? We've already established on this podcast for me that my birthdays are typically sad for some external reason. It's like it's like a, it's like a curse or something. It's like bad things tend to happen around my birthday. Yeah, always been a birthday guy. Surprise, surprise. Um, and you know, every once in a while, you get what I call the magical year. So the magical year is when your birthday falls on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday because it's well known. Those are the best three days of the week. I did notice that my birthday in 2024 is on a Sunday, which is definitely the worst day yeah, <laughs> to have I, a birthday. I don't know what it is. Like you're just the Eeyore of birthdays. I, just, I looked ahead and I was like, of course it is. Of course it's on a Sunday. I'm surprised you're not. I'm surprised your birthday isn't like a leap year too. So it just gets skipped all the time. Like the day doesn't actually exist. <laughs> well, Dave, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, candles on the birthday cake. You know, whenever you have kids, one of the humbling things about having kids is that you realize like you're kind of dumb a little bit. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like your kid asks you questions all the time and you try to explain it and you realize that you don't really know anything. So like, for example, if your kid's like, when I turn the light switch on, like, why does the light come on? And like, you're trying to explain electricity to them. And then you realize like, you don't really know how electricity works. You know, um, this was a question that came up. Like we were at a birthday party, candles came out on the cake, they blew them out. And one of my kids is like, why are they blowing out candles on a cake? And so I realized, like, I didn't have an answer. Yeah, well, I was like, it's I fun, literally buddy. have no idea. <laughs> Doesn't it look fun? I will say this, side note. Um, you know, it's, it's the Christmas season, and uh, I decided I was going to introduce my four-year-old to Elf. Great Christmas classic. Uh, it was infuriating because the, we watched it for about 30 minutes. The entire time, he keeps asking me, so why is he big and they're little? And I, I just kept telling him, like, well, he's a human, and the other ones are elves, but he's big. I'm like, exactly. He's... <laughs> you, you did, you moved a little early. Like, you moved the pieces on the board a little early. I did. I, I pushed it. It's my fault. Well, Dave, as with most traditions that are weird that we don't know the origin of, the practice of putting candles on a birthday cake are murky. But to find the first time that historians at least have found some evidence that it was done, well, we have to go all the way back to ancient Greece, 
Now, although the practice wasn't necessarily specifically associated with a birthday, historians believe that the ancient Greeks would place candles on honey cakes to honor Artemis, the goddess of the hunt and the moon, with the glow of the candles representing the moonlight. Now, for the first time someone used a cake to celebrate a birthday, that comes to us via ancient Rome, where the practice of celebrating a birthday with a cake is first mentioned, but still without candles. Now, cake itself became more widespread during the Industrial Revolution because cakes were cheap and they could be baked by all people, not just the wealthy. Since many, many cultures around the world, too, believe that smoke from a fire can bring prayers to heaven or gods, you can see why the dots would eventually get connected. Now, Dave's psychological studies have also found that blowing out the candles does more than just grant us a wish. It also tricks our brains into perceiving our birthday cake as tasting better after we blow out the candles. So all this being said, we do this, but it's also important to note that it isn't very sanitary. In fact, a study conducted by the Canadian Center of Science and Education found that blowing out birthday candles could increase the bacteria on the frosting by up to 1,400%. Now, it's important to mention, Dave, that under the headline here, on average, blowing out the candles only increased the bacteria on frosting by 14%. But still... And ultimately, the psychologists who conducted this study do not think it's really a huge deal for our health. It's not a big health concern in my perspective, says Paul Dawson, one of the authors of the study. In reality, if you did this 100,000 times, the chance of getting sick would probably be very minimal. But ultimately, Dave, traditions are weird when you zoom out on them, which we rarely do because they just sort of are the way we do things. We're both in that stage, too, where it's not really air that's blowing out the candles. It's more like a sneeze oh, you know, yeah, with our yeah. kids. Full, like, motorboat sound oh, blowing yeah, totally. out the candles. It's just it's nasty. You, you just get a piece and pretend like you eat it and quietly throw it away. <laughs> now, can we just agree trick candles aren't funny? Yeah, they aren't they, funny. Never been funny. Maybe funny uh, the first time they were ever used on the maybe. planet. And like 1981, that, somebody did it. It was funny. <laughs> not funny now. You you probably really hate it because your birthday just feels like the kind of thing that constant trick candles make your birthday even worse. No, this year, this year I'm turning it around. On Sunday, I'm going to force it. We're going to well, we're going to make something. I'm busy. I already know. I'm busy. I'm busy most Sundays. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, you and I met our spouses in what would be considered, I guess, the old-fashioned way at this point. Like, we just met them in person. No dating app, no secret social media stalking sessions where we're looking at their profile pictures at, like, 2 a.m., trying to get a feel for who they are. Which, side note, you ever thought about, like, is somebody doing that to me? Like, right now, somebody could be just scrolling (laughs) our socials, just looking at pictures of us from, like, 2007. Unless we have the security settings where they should be. Uh, I might need to go look at my security settings (laughs) now that you say that. (laughs) Really, Jay, I I think that we're pretty lucky. Because, I mean, dating as an adult is hard, and the online dating world just seems so awful. But, Jay, let's pretend for a moment that you weren't happily married. Give me some sort of an idea of how your online dating profile might look. Like we talk in a picture of you at the beach. Are you shirtless? You wearing like a favorite shirt, long or short bio? You trying to like say things about like lifting weights? Like what are we looking at here? I mean, I'm already getting nervous just thinking about it. Like <laughs> because I just I feel like you just have to do so much impressing of someone. And I hate the idea of having to impress 
someone that I don't know. Like that, that idea bothers me. So it's like, clearly I wouldn't be good at dating if that's where I'm starting with this. I don't know. It would be minimal for sure. Like I would not give away too many details. Um, picture wise, like I just feel weird about putting a shirtless picture for strangers to see. Like <laughs> I feel like I'd be kind of standoffish. <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be begging for someone's attention, which is kind of what you're doing. Is this super far off? Uh, so probably your profile picture from school, so like a school headshot that you got. Um, I could see that being your profile picture. And then maybe your bio just would say something like, I'm Jay, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like a LinkedIn profile. Like that's what it, it just copy paste. <laughs> well, Jay, years ago, like this was in the infancy of online dating. I worked this really crazy, hilarious summer job at a bottle capping factory. Like, it was exactly what it sounds like. We put caps on bottles for eight hours every Saturday. <laughs> but I was in college, okay? It's a great college job. And my boss, we'll just call him Jim in this story, uh, who was probably in his mid-30s back then. But he was always complaining to me that he couldn't meet anybody. So one day, Jim said, Dave, I, I just can't figure it out, man. Like, will, will you look at my eHarmony profile and try to help me make it better? Because eHarmony used to be the, the big one that people would use. So he pulled it up, Jay. And I'm not kidding you. This is verbatim what I said. I said, well, Jim, for starters, maybe don't make your profile picture the spaceship from Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have hey, him. Don't, don't, let, just, uh, don't it, get in the way of, of Jim finding his, his future wife. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but Jay, profile pictures in spaceships aside, online dating is complicated. And today, the amount of dating apps is overwhelming. Everything from OkCupid okay to Farmers Only. And Jay, that's also always been the beauty of it, though, right? Like, if one of them isn't working for you, you might as well just try a different one. Tinder, Hinge, The League, all of these apps are marketed differently and promise a different unique pathway to maybe meet your special someone. But still, users often find themselves asking, is this really all that unique? And Jay, the truth is, no. Most of them are not all that unique. Because you see, the Match Group, the company behind Match.com that helped create the online dating world in many ways, basically owns all of the dating apps. Match, a company backed by billions of dollars, has been aggressively eliminating the competition since it started. It purchased OkCupid and Plenty of Fish in the 2010s, acquired Tinder and Hinge in 2018, which, by the way, they were uh, marketed, Hinge was marketed as the anti-Tinder, so they kind of bought the, uh, the two sides of the spectrum there. In fact, today, <laughs> Jay, Match owns more than 45 different dating app brands. They all function in the same way, even if they look different and have different names, and they all promise a unique experience. But while this model makes Match a lot of money, like Tinder brought in $1.7 billion in 2021, does it bring in a lot of success for users? It seems like these apps are improving on taking our money and making us spend more time on their apps than they are matching us with people, an anonymous user told The Verge. Nothing has come from it at all, said another. It's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, I need to get off this app. So do they work? Well, Jay, as we've talked about before on the show, it depends on who you ask. Pew Research says that nearly 60% of paid dating app users say that they've at least successfully met someone on the app, but has the experience been positive? Well, wouldn't you know it, it's perfectly split. 50% yes, 50% no. I'll tell you what, though. Match does not 
own farmers only. So maybe that's worth a try. <laughs> I love the image of like someone getting on farmers only and not being considered a full farmer. Like they're like, no, 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 this guy's a fake. Like he's not a real farmer. He just he's a, he's a he got a garden in his backyard. Like that. Calls himself a farmer. Like, yeah, your, tri- your, your farmer's got your farm's got to be at least two acres. I mean, ultimately, like, wouldn't a dating app not want you to find somebody? Because if you get off the app, you're not paying for anything anymore. Like, it seems like they'd want to keep you in a cycle of loneliness. Keep coming back to it. Like, that's, that's how true. they're going to make keep money, the pain right? fresh. <laughs> what would constitute a farm? Like, do you, do you think there's... Is it an acre? There's got to be a definition of what turns something into a farm, I'm sure. It's... Okay, so the USDA defines a farm as any place that has produced and sold or normally would have produced and sold at least $1,000 of agricultural products during a given year. Okay, so it doesn't matter how big it is. It's just, can you make that money, baby? Can you sell $1,000 yeah. worth of products? So if I've cleared $1,000. You're selling tomatoes out of your window seal? There's got to be a way to prove your it. Farm. Like to get, right? I mean, to get on Farmers Only, you have to prove it, right? There's gotta I'd be say like so. Like you have process. to have a farm or a tractor <laughs> or low level a hat. So Dave, you and I are both parents, and we're parents in that stage of life that is difficult because from a behavior standpoint, our kids are kind of going through it. You know, they're right there in that like three to five range, and they're emotional, sometimes in the heat of the moment when a kid is just really, really being defiant or just like having a meltdown about something, and you're tired. You know, sometimes you just say things like that you would never back up like you're like you're gonna lose this privilege for a week or yeah. something and you're oh, like you, you have no intention yes. of actually yes. doing that in the heat of the moment have you ever threatened your son with calling santa claus when he was being bad <laughs> no now i haven't done that um i've done a lot of things i'm not proud of <laughs> Uh, including, I've never, I've never done it either. But I just wondered if no, you had. No, I did lecture my son on why I go to work the other day, so I could buy stuff, <laughs> buy stuff for him, and he could live in the house. And he just laughed. <laughs> well, Dave, we're going to try to trace the origins of what happens to kids on the naughty list who get coal. Like, why coal? Why does Why does Santa bring coal with him? Why didn't he just leave the stocking empty? Like, what's the point of the coal, right? And um, it's important to note at the top that there's not really like a full-on 100% answer to this. It's kind of one of those old things that's just kind of always been this way, but we'll try to do our best to trace the tradition as best we can. And Dave, it's important to note that Santa Claus is not necessarily a universal figure. The character has all kinds of iterations all over the world, and including Santa, only a handful of them leave bad children lumps of coal instead of presents on Christmas, including the Dutch Sinterklaas and Italy's Lebefana. And while all three of them do this, giving out fossil fuels in lieu of presents, nailing down why is pretty difficult and pretty murky. Sinterklaas, like Santa, uses the chimney as his primary entrance method into the home, but some differences are there, including that he traditionally slips gifts and coal into shoes sitting by the fire and not stockings, and has a controversial assistant who helps him spread the Christmas cheer, referred to as Black Pete, who has been under the microscope in recent years <laughs> as being a as racist be. caricature, one that has encouraged the donning of blackface in the Netherlands to portray the character, which has obviously been questioned with more scrutiny in recent years. The Bifana from Italy is actually an old woman or witch who delivers gifts to children rather than a man in a red suit and probably has its roots in Roman tradition. 
But Lebefana, like Santa, enters the home through the fireplace and leaves coal instead of presents if the child has been particularly misbehaved. And while the coal is shared between all three characters, we have to speculate as to how this started, and there really is no direct explanation. The best explanation comes down to convenience. Since Santa comes down the fireplace, and since fireplaces, especially in the 19th and early 20th centuries, when the Santa legend was getting its footing in America, traditionally burned coal, it was theoretically easy for Santa to just reach down, grab the coal, and throw it in the stocking from the family's own fireplace. Other iterations of Santa, like we've mentioned, didn't always use coal to substitute gifts for bad kids. Sometimes Lebefana or Sinterklaas have been known to leave a bundle of twigs or sticks, some cloves of garlic, an onion, or bags of salt. Imagine getting twigs. <laughs> That's got to be the worst. You expect, you expect a Nintendo Switch and you get a yeah, pile twigs of twigs. Or a piece of garlic. <laughs> But ultimately, Dave, the legend of Santa seems to be sort of a traditional legend. It's compiled from different stories and different characters into a culturally specific version that has some connections to the original. But when you go back far enough, you lose the trail of when it started pretty quickly. So my dad, uh, avid listener of Commute, um, he used to have a collectible gift shop back in the day. And he sold like a bunch of interesting eclectic things at this gift shop. And one of the things he sold were figurines made of coal. I don't remember how much he sold these things for, but I I was looking them up. You can buy them still online. And I remember this one specific train that he had. I'm just going to guess that thing was probably like eight bucks. It's $60 online, that train. Maybe it paid to be a bad kid back in the day. Yeah. Get a lump of coal carved out. But does that mean you were a bad kid? So if you get just a lump of coal, you're bad. But if you get coal carved into a train. Maybe Santa is saying, maybe he's saying that he believes that you have potential. Like you're not there yet, but you know, you're getting there. (laughs) He's like, he's like, you, this looks like a toy. It's not a toy, (laughs) but it looks like a toy that you could. I almost had a code red the other day because my kids were watching like a Lego Avengers thing or something. And the characters started making fun of Lego Captain America because he believed in Santa Claus. And uh, my kid turned around and went, why are they making fun of him for believing in Santa Claus? Because Santa Claus is real. And I was like, oh, boy. (laughs) And then, like, but then, like, 15 minutes. I mean, it took, like, 15 minutes. But eventually, like, Santa showed up. And they were like, see, he is real. And I was like, all right, good save. But you took a little too long to get there. Now, this year, I've already been thinking about it. Uh, my kids are going to get the bad gifts from Santa. They're going to get the good gifts from Dad. Oh, yeah. We've always been like that. I'm not yeah. letting some yeah. fictional man take yeah, no credit way. for what I'm bringing I, what the I Switch did. games. <laughs> Santa's bringing the coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, X, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jason, and I'm Dave Trump. We'll see you next week. I, um, I'll never forget. So when I think about like people blowing out candles, I think about... I don't know why that this specific story comes to mind with candles. Maybe just because it's a funny story in general. But um, a long time ago, I was a little kid. My great-grandma was in the nursing home. And so I think it was like her 90-something birthday that we were celebrating. And, you know, in a nursing home, it's just it's a crazy thing. Because you got all these people, like at some point they were doctors, lawyers, whatever. And now they're just like 
<laughs> maniacs. Like they just they've lost yeah. their mind. <laughs> so it's just crazy stuff going on. And when you're a little kid, it's really scary. So I remember we're we're in her room and she blows out the candles on this cake. And so we we put it. Oh, and for some reason, it just like registered with me that that's kind of weird that she's blowing out a candle. She's like ninety something. And so we put the candle over on a table, and we look over there, and some little old man had wheeled in, and he stole the cake, and he starts wheeling out with it. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, it's just a he thrilling was, way for him to He was probably like a police know, officer in life, and so now he's like breaking <laughs> the rules. <laughs>